Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. On the day that I almost lost my Welcome one and all to the Storybox podcast, the place to be if you are a lover of stories. My name is Jay Phantom, former real estate agent, now living my purpose by sharing amazing people's stories with the world. I'm grateful that you're here today. Now let's venture into the Storybox together and hear more about our guest today. Welcome everyone back to the Storybox podcast. I am so thrilled that you're here today. My friends, that song you heard in the very beginning was from my very talented next guest. His name is Keaton Simons. Now, if you don't know who Keaton is, my goodness, you're going to get to know him today because we dive deep, and I mean deep, into some very philosophical topics. Now, for those of you um, wondering, okay, what does Keaton do? He is a recording performing artist. He is royalty in terms of um, celebrity, uh, being the uh, son of Eliza Roberts, Eric Roberts' wife, uh, Eric Roberts being his stepfather, and his stepsister is Emma Roberts, and his auntie is none other than Julia Roberts. Um, Keaton has actually paved his own way into the the celebrity uh, realm uh, by creating such amazing songs. And if you've ever heard any of his music before, he has a way of actually appealing to your soul. Like it gets right in there and it, it really changes and gets you in a mood. Uh, that's, that's what I've noticed at least. His music has been featured on shows such as Sons of Anarchy, Hollywood Heights, Private Practice, NCIS Los Angeles, Crash, Suits, American Dad, Harper's Island, and The Cleaner. He's co-written songs with Jason Mraz, Jason Reeves, Glenn Phillips, Michael Blue, among many, many others. He's teamed up with so many of Hollywood's greats, Snoop Dogg, Josh Kelly. Uh, he's, he's done Late Shows. He's done Malcolm in the Middle, American Dreams. He's, he's, he's done so much in his life, and this guy is so humble about it all. He, he's so down to earth and this conversation I know is going to touch a lot of people's hearts and lives and that's why I need to ask you, if you do get something from this episode, which I guarantee you that you will, share it around. Share it to your friends and family members that need to hear these these powerful words from Keaton. Uh, I was so privileged to be passed like his information from his mother, Eliza, who is an absolute dear friend. Thank you so much, Eliza, for that. Uh, Keaton and I just had an amazing time speaking and diving into all these important uh, topics and just really enjoy the conversation. So please do that, uh, share it around. And also, if you do get something out of it, 
leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe over there for many, many more. Uh, so many amazing guests coming up. I kid you not. I've got over 200-something episodes still lined up, uh, and each guest, their story, it just blows me away each and every time. Would you believe it? Uh, <laughs> but thank you guys so much for your time today. Now, let's dive into the story box and hear Keaton Simon's amazing story. I love that question too, actually. It's one that I've been asking myself and asking to other people for the better part of my professional career because it's been not only a huge question personally, but it's a huge ever-changing question in the world at large and not just in music and, and creative industries because the world has kind of changed to become more friendly of alternative vocations and alternative jobs and stuff like that. People can really start to des design their own individual type of success and have their own personal vision of success rather than one that's like compared against someone else or against an external, the story of someone else is usually what it is. It's not even the real actual thing that happened. It's the fairy tale about what happened, you know? Um, and people can often feel like they are unsuccessful because they're comparing their story and their road to someone else's. Um, but the truth is you never really know anyone else's journey or story. You only ever know your own. You only ever have your own. So for me, overall, I've just decided to define myself as successful when I'm doing the things that feel right to me, when I feel happy and fulfilled, uh, and, and when I'm able to, to, to be, to be a loving place for the world around me as well. You know, I'm not causing myself damage. I'm not causing anyone else pain or damage to me. That is absolute success. If I can be happy and smiling and have a life full of love, then it doesn't even matter. I used to be much more specific about it. I wanted to have, you know, tons of fans and sell tons of records and tour and sell out stadiums and all that kind of stuff. But that was mostly just about like having big dreams and not being afraid to have big dreams. Um, the trouble can come in when a person gets attached or connected to this imaginary vision rather than embracing and accepting the one that is there. Because mm. it is hard. And I think oftentimes, especially when it comes to success, growing up, I had the same sort of mindset of, I want to be this. I want to have this. I want to have the mansions. I want to have the fast cars. I want to have pretty much everything that we would quote as being successful by having all this stuff. And I think it's, it's wrong to think, I mean, the stuff is, is okay. It's not bad. But when you place your entire life and your entire purpose on just achieving all the stuff, you're going to find, like you said, you're going to find that you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be satisfied or fulfilled. But what I want to ask you, Keaton, is what are some of the things that make you happy right now? Right now, the things that make me happy are, as always, creating, creating new new things, new works. Um, I, I always describe it like a, like a toy, like waking up Christmas morning, you know, the next day after I've written a new song, the next day I wake up so excited, that this new, this new creature exists in the world, you know, that gets to have a whole life story and who knows what's going to happen. I mean, with some of my songs, they have amazing, they have more interesting, successful stories than me as, as you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> when I go, when I go is way more successful than I am in music, you know, uh, and, and, but it's one of my songs. So it's really cool to be a part of that journey in any capacity. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't know what makes me happy uh, increasingly are the simpler things, the more basic and less extravagant things and certainly less material and materialistic. Those become the the less the least interesting things in the world to me like i i my preference for gifts giving and receiving gifts um are like food like i love to give fresh baked bread or some sort of really yummy food to somebody because first of all it expresses love it's nourishing it's it's giving and also it doesn't stay with them for the rest of their lives they don't have to spend the rest of their lives lugging it around to find a place to put it in the closet or something like that you know what i mean they get to have the complete experience and walk away light you know i, I like it man like you this 
bundle of energy, bundle of joy. And it's, it's true with what everything you said, like you, you're giving and with giving comes that level of satisfaction. It's, it's funny. And I've always found it fascinating why that actually is. It's like yeah. service being in service to others and not yourself being selfless, I think. And what I want to ask you though, Keaton is growing up, did you ever, what, what, what was the thing that you always wanted to do be? Was it always a musician? Yeah, pretty much. I always wanted to, to do that. I definitely had some aspirations toward uh, like in acting for a time when I was younger, but I found it less fulfilling overall because it's less personally creative and personally fulfilling in that way. You know, um, I wasn't as passionate about the art itself, you know, as I was about the the fun of the lifestyle and the the benefits that come from it. And also just the fun of doing it. I mean, acting is really fun. I get to do it every now and then. And it's never been like a super high pressure thing. You know, I've never been like fired from a, from an acting job for not doing a good job. I mostly get hired to, you know, cast as myself essentially, or a thinly veiled version of myself, you know? So it's uh it ends up being very pleasant and pleasurable for me, but I've always loved music and I've, I've always thought of it as I've not thought of it as a selflessness per se, just because people think of, of that and often get that confused with a kind of a martyr, martyrly uh, position that people take only doing for others and never doing for themselves. For me, it's most important that we all take care of and love ourselves first. Otherwise we're no good to, to take care of other people and love them. It's actually a pretty selfish and inconsiderate thing to do to set up as a, a dynamic where you, you are not, or feel like you're not taking care of yourself. You're taking care of other people first. You're only giving and you're not receiving for me. It, like you said, it's, it's, I found that place very early on where the, the reward is embedded within the, the act itself. I'm not doing things and hoping then later to receive some sort of reward for it. It's the joy of doing it itself. And actually it's quite selfish actually, because I'm doing it because I love it because that's the, that the joy that it gives to me. I also of course love equally the joy that it gives to other people, but I feel like I wouldn't be able to connect to it, do such a good job or do it with as much integrity if I believed that I wasn't doing it for myself. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Exactly. It makes total sense to me. And I've been thinking about, you know, joy and what makes me joyful as well. And, and speaking about purpose and what I'm meant to be doing in my life, what I'm actually here for. Like all those questions have come into my, my brain the last few years, more so than it did when I was growing up. I mean, you always have that fleeting feeling of I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that you know, but it's never really set in stone. I mean, for me, I wanted to be a filmmaker. That was, mm. that was the one thing that I saw myself being growing up, but life seemed to have other options and plans for me. And now I'm here and now I know that I am truly fulfilled. I'm truly satisfied. Now I know my purpose is to help others through stories. Mm. And who's to say that I'm not going to become a filmmaker later on? Like it, it just, a friend of mine, and I was having a conversation just earlier uh, with someone else about this very thing, how your purpose is not the destination. Your purpose is part of your journey that is ever evolving. It's always growing and changing. And part of it is understanding that it does, embracing it and accepting the fact that it does change. Exactly. And it's, it's such a, a powerful thing, man. Like yeah. for a lot of young people that, that do struggle with finding their purpose, they've always got that huge question. Well, how can I be joy filled if I don't know what I'm meant to be doing in life? No, 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 no. That's just part. It's one part. There's so much more to life. And I think what you were talking about as well with, with searching for your worth, that, that inner who am I? And I think yeah. once you ask yourself who you are, then you can work on the process of finding those things that you are good at and just embracing the, the this essence of life, <laughs> really. Yeah, I think it's, it's about 
not getting too attached and creating too vivid or specific a vision for your future. The truth is we do not know what's going to happen in the future, period. It's as simple as that. Past is gone, future, un, un, uh, you know, unseen, unseeable, really unforeseeable. And the present is all you have. And we barely have that. It kind of barely exists anyway. So it's the closest thing to something concrete to, to, to hold on to. And I find when I hold on to that presence, that makes me feel the least afraid, the most comfortable and safe because I'm in a place where I'm not feeling that weird resistance to uh, trying to manifest something that isn't real. You know what I mean? Trying to live up to an ideal that is, uh, that doesn't exist or try or, or feeling disappointed because my, the details that I came up with in my mind don't match the details that are coming up in, in my like objective reality space. You know, I kind of break it down to every person having two distinct realities. One is internal and one is external. The external one is a bunch of other people who have their own internal realities, figuring out a way to interact with each other, you know, and the internal one is totally separate from that. You can create any world you want inside. The problems come often when people mistake those two worlds for each other. They think that they're supposed to be a one-to-one ratio and they're not, they're just, they're not the same thing. They're very similar to the individual, but they're distinctly different. And so I find that when I don't try to micromanage my future or the outcomes of situations, the parts of it that I don't have control over when I let go of that completely, now all of my life becomes this beautiful, pleasant surprise to me. And things end up better and cooler than I could ever imagine them. You know, it becomes like like trying to manage other uh, otherwise involuntary human functions like sleep. You know, if you're trying to sleep, it'll keep you awake. You know, if you're trying to be aroused, it'll prevent you from being aroused. These are things that have to happen unconsciously and, and effortlessly. If, as soon as you start to try to micromanage them, the whole thing falls apart. And the moment you start, like you were saying earlier, it goes back to it. The moment you start comparing yourself to other people and what they've done, then you just miss out on so many other things. But I also want to bounce off what you're saying about the what ifs. And that's such an important uh, message that you're sending there. I want to share a story with you that um, I never focused on the what ifs. I was in a, a relationship with a girl probably last year in 2018. And pretty much for seven months, you know, it was, it was a hard time. Um, not, not all the time, but, you know, hard time. And towards the end of the relationship, I didn't see this coming, but she was giving me a hint. And we had this conversation one time and she's like, why do you, why do you not focus on the what ifs? I said, because when I focus on the what ifs, that causes me stress. I don't want to focus on the what ifs because mm -hmm. there's no reason to. It's just it hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. What I like to focus on is what is, what is right now, the present moment and stop stop trying to think of something that's not actually there because it's going to make me feel even worse. And she was the complete opposite. She just focused on the what ifs and what if this is going to happen, you know, all that sort of stuff. And she asked me a question. She's like, so what if we're not together in the future? What are you going to do then? And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like she, she was setting me up. I kid you not, man. She's setting me up for telling her, that it was going to be ultimately okay. Okay. So that you could feel okay about, about maybe having a, an opening to, to leave. She was, see, to me, all that just screams fear, fear, fear. That's why people do that. They live in this hypothetical version of reality because it creates an illusion that they're in control over it. They're taking something they don't know how it's going to happen. Now they imagine it perfectly in their mind and the, the illusion is complete. Now they know exactly what's going to happen. But the truth is that's not actually connected to, to the external reality that you are playing this out in when you're dealing with other people, you know, and interpersonal relationships, that's what it's all about. For me, the question would be, why do you find it so comforting to live in hypothetical realities? Why, you know, and, and I think it's probably because it feels less scary there. It feels like there's more control. It feels like you have a clearer view of what's going to happen. See, for me, I go as far as to, to, to think that disappointment itself doesn't exist 
in reality, if you accept reality, just in the present, there's no such thing as disappointment. It, 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 that's only something that happens when you compare what is against a, hypo, a, a, a hypothesis, a hypothetical version of it, which doesn't exist. So one is and one is not. And by comparing something that is to something that isn't, you, you create this thing called disappointment because there's not, it's, it's not, uh, you know, congruent, but it's not supposed to be. <laughs> one is a fantasy and one is different from a fantasy, you know? So I know, I know how hard it is. Like it's easier said than done for so many people, right? Like- but it gets easier the more you practice it. Uh, most of the reason why people are so good at negative self-talk and living in imaginary worlds and playing out hypothetical scenarios in their mind is just because they practice the hell out of it whole lives and they don't even realize that they've become very skilled it's yeah. and it seems like it's hard not to do it but it's no harder to do it the other way as long as you practice it the same way you practice the other. it's almost like we're we're conditioned to believe this is the way it should be in life and you're going against the grain so therefore it's harder for you to get away from it but you're right 100 the more you practice something you will become it like it's very similar, like who you hang around, you will become, right? So there's a saying that I often have that I live by. It's be persistent to remain consistent at the things that you want. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is the number one aspect of anyone's life, if you are persistent at it, it will happen eventually. Absolutely. That's so true, man. I've been, I've been saying that that's, that is like my number one piece of advice that I've given when people say, what do you recommend for like young artists or people in the industry want to get into this kind of thing? I say, just keep doing it, mm. keep doing it and be as open as you possibly can. But that's it. The reason that, that it ends is because people get to a point where they're, they don't want to do it anymore. You know, as long as you keep doing it and you're always working, everything will eventually happen in one way or another. Once, once you get like that, that speed, speed bump, I call it, and you don't want to go over it, it, it hurts when you hit it and you're like, okay, what, what do I do now? How can I actually climb over it? You know? And I often say to people, it's kind of like this analogy that I give. So two people walk up towards a mountain. There's two paths, two people. So the first person walks up to the mountain, sees both paths. The first path is the hard, hard road. So you've got all the struggles, all the pain, all, all the anxiety, the worries, you know. Second path is easy. There's nothing like the first path. There's no hardship. It's just straight to the top. He makes a choice. He's like, I don't want to take the hard path. I want to take the easy path. So he takes yeah. it, goes up, gets to the very top, looks back, and he says, well, that was easy. Now what? <laughs> Second exactly. person walks up to the mountain he looks at both paths. He sees the, the journey that the first person had taken on the easy path. He looks at it and he says, well, well what was that? What was the worth in that? There wasn't any. Mm-hmm. Like he just got to the top straight away. And what did he learn? Nothing. I'm going to take the hard road. And no matter how hard it actually is, I'm going to continue going. And that's just the thing. It's a mindset of when you reach the top and you eventually will, and trust me, you're going to face many, many mountains in, in your life, but then take the hard path each and every time because once you reach that top, the feeling, and when you look back down at what you've accomplished, what you've achieved, what you've learned, that is the most, that's the most beautiful thing in the world, man. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling to feel accomplished and to feel proud of your accomplishments is so wonderful to know that you've that you've stuck it out and and overcome and stuff. For me that also like one, another beautiful thing within that analogy is as soon as you make either decision, you can let go of the other one. You know what I mean? If you decide that you're going to take the the easy road, then you haven't taken the hard road. And that's fine. You're not, you're no longer comparing them against each other. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing with the hard road. You're not taking the hard road sitting there going, Oh, I could have taken the easy road. No, as soon as you took the hard road, you couldn't have taken the easy road anymore because you, you made a choice, you know? And I, I often use this analogy that just came into my mind a few years ago now, um, where 
imagine you're just walking and walking uh, on a on a straight path, that, and you believe that where you're going is where you are wanting to go, that you're headed in the right direction, you know. Mm-hmm. And you walk and walk and walk until you're exhausted, and your shoes melt off, and your feet are destroyed, and then you realize that you've actually been walking in the opposite direction. And you were supposed to be walking the other way to get to your destination. And now you've walked this great distance in the opposite direction. How do you feel? What does that make you feel? What are you, what is that triggering? What is that bringing up in you? I think in a lot of people, because for me, there's that immediate frustration because the only logical thing to do is just turn around and start walking in the right direction, you know, but I, I would have trouble just going right ahead and doing that. I'd feel frustrated and angry. I'd be mad at myself for making the wrong decision and so on and so forth. The truth is in a world, in a place of acceptance of reality, you've simply walked until you got here and now you're going to start walking again. And that's it. You never walked backwards. You only walked forward. Even if you're walking forward in the wrong direction, you don't, you it's, it's falling for the illusion that you've actually done something wrong, meaning you violated the, the, the distinction between your internal reality and external reality. You haven't, you might feel frustrated, but it's because of an illusion you've created in your mind. You know, the truth is you just turn right around and, and start walking the other way until you find out something about that. And that's it. You know, love it. I I feel like you you've had your own journey, man, of this self discovery and realizing all this stuff, you know, like it, it it seems very, very true, very, very powerful. Um, and I, I feel it, man, like it's, it's just, I feel like there's something there, um, as an artist, as someone that, you know, has worked with artists in the, in the past as well and knows that struggle knows that, you know, you sort of worried about what the next day is going to bring. Are you going to have, you know, there's always that financial aspect, but for you, man, you've had all these incredible achievements. I mean, you've written songs for one of my all time favorite shows, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Oh, far out, man. That was, I binge watched that show (laughs) on, and you've written like other ones for like Deadliest Catch. Suits, um, Lost Girl, Revelation Road 2. Revelation Road (laughs) 2. There's so many. So many, man. Yes, CSI, Numbers, Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, God, I get really a lot. You've got got so many. And I believe your your mother was telling me that you've you've written or you performed in front of, um, what's her name? She's the, she's now the, Queen, uh, princess, uh, what's Megan Markle? You're talking Markle, yeah. She's on Suits, and so she was, you know, the fan of of what my song that was on Suits, and we had a, you know, little just a little bit of communication around that time and stuff like that. My mom loves that. (laughs) She loves. (laughs) Now, for those people that don't actually know, you've got a pretty uh, talented family. Seriously, yeah. you, you've all creative pretty much. It's like, it's absolutely insane. Your stepfather is Eric Roberts. Your mother is Eliza Roberts. And your auntie is Julia Roberts. Your stepsister is Emma Roberts. And then there's Keaton Simons, the famous musician. <laughs> it's like, what I want to ask you though, is we're talking about creativity. We're talking about purpose and all that. Has anyone ever asked you this question of what does what does creativity mean to you, or what does it actually look like? Creativity? Yeah. Um, I no, nobody's ever asked me that exactly, but I do think about it a lot, and I think about creativity, and I think about what an incredible, almost magical seeming thing that is. You know, uh, for me, when I'm creating music ideally it comes from a deeply subconscious place and I'm really learning about myself and what I'm thinking and feeling inside through my songs. And a lot of my songs, including like my most recent uh, single from my last EP, which is called one, two, three, go that came out as like a whole improvisation with a bunch of gibberish lyrics that I then listened to a voicemail, you know, a, a voice recording on the phone and like was hearing little things that I was saying in there and it's just it's amazing therapy basically for myself and i think 
the reason that creativity is something that has so much power potential is because we are all purely creative beings. We are literally creating the entire universe around us for ourselves, creating our entire experience, taking in all of this raw information and transforming it into something that's personal, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's, maybe that's why I feel so fulfilled when I'm being creative, because it's probably the the closest to fundamental thing that, that you can do uh, as a human being. Mm, especially for like, someone as yourself and for me i know when i am creative yeah i i feel on another level it's kind of like a high almost yeah. like when you when you literally take something from your brain and you've formed it it's like i don't even know how to describe it really it's just it's something else like it's on another level altogether yeah. and i'm i'm curious like when you are creating something do you have a process of writing or I have a lot of different processes that I, that I, you know, play with. I try to stay open to whatever. There are certain go-tos that I can, that I can go to if I want, you know, um, a lot of times if I'm creating it collaboratively, then I feel out for the unique, uh, direction of that individual situation. Uh, and for me, I do too. It's just whatever ends up causing me to feel inspired and I can feel inspired anywhere from anything. It comes to me. I have a song called inspiration. It says, if you're looking for inspiration, you don't know where to find it. Let it find you, you know, let go and allow it to find you when it does. And you're not thinking about it. Like I have to create this thing. I have a deadline and this and that, even if you do have a deadline, I mean, if that motivates you great, but ultimately what's the, the real motivator is exactly what you're saying. It's that deep feeling of fulfillment and pride. I mean, I, I feel proud of myself and I encourage my friends to feel proud of themselves for things that they create, even if it's a sandwich, you know what I mean? Like at least enjoy the, the joy, the free joy of being proud of yourself. <laughs> you know, it doesn't cost anybody anything. So go for it. And I think some people find it difficult to actually make a good sandwich, a good tasting sandwich. So good on yeah. you. <laughs> Hey, listen, you can do anything in a creative way. Even the the most uncreative seeming things can be approached creatively. And most importantly, what that does is it helps the individual who's doing whatever it is to actually enjoy what they're doing and do it with heart and with integrity. Um, it's easy to do stuff and say stuff and spin the wheels, you know, but if you're not paying attention, then who knows what the end result is going to be, you know, if you really stay present in that moment, give everything you have to each, each moment of it and value and respect that. Uh, and don't, you know, don't feel like you're in a hurry, you know, time passes. And once it's gone, it's gone. You can't, you, again, thinking that you can waste time is presuming that you have two realities that, that are connected to each other. And if you don't do one, you missed out on the other. It's not, that's not true. There's just the one <laughs> in, in that space, you know? Have you ever found it difficult to actually create something? And if you have, how do you get over that difficult hurdle? Well, I do a tremendous amount of like self-education in a variety of different fields because I find that the, the secret and the genius uh, that underlies everything comes in this simple fundamental through line connections between ideas that may seem to have nothing to do with each other. But the truth is, you know, it's almost like if you're playing video games, like I remember when I was a little kid, I'd be like, Oh, I'd be super good at a certain video game. If, even if I had never played it because I played a bunch of other video games that were similar within the genre, you know what I mean? And so I was able to apply some, some technique and theory from this other thing to this thing. And I make use of that, those type of theoretical ideas in my music today from, from playing video games and think and understanding that, you know, if you, if you do this, if you approach things from this 
from a certain point of view, you have more of a likelihood of, of creating a certain type of outcome. If you're, if you're calm and unafraid and keep your eyes open and you're not frantic and panicked and stuff like that, you're going to, everything's going to run smoother, you know, no matter what you're doing. Um, so I, I like, if I'm feeling unmotivated or, or like, you know, blocked creatively or something like that, I will just do or learn like about anything that's interesting or thrilling to me. And it's, it, it, it ignites that fire. And then it just ends up going out to every area. Mm. That's what I do. You know, you can like, and I recommend that. I recommend that, recommend that if anybody's having a block or something, put on a movie, like a scene from a movie that's like your favorite that just guts you or listen to a piece of music that just, that overwhelms you in some way, you'll find that that, that energy and that magic really will get ignited and start to, you'll start to go, Oh, well now here's this. And it's the connecting points of these ideas, you know? Is it, I like how you mentioned that. It's like, it's such good advice. Like for me, I know whenever I get writer's block or um, struggling in, in any way, um, I'll go for a run or That's- do a workout, just get the blood flowing to my brain and I'll either read something as well, listen to a podcast, get some advice from people. And what I'm doing is I'm actually with movement comes fluidity, comes like the brain's getting its its juices moving. It's whereas if you're just sitting down, you're stuck, there's you're not feeling happy. So yeah, you gotta get get those endorphins, you gotta get those chemicals up and going and actually give it like a jump start almost. Yeah. Self-education is so important, man. Like I love how you mentioned that too, because for a lot of people, they may feel stuck for such a long time, but yet they don't want to, uh, you know, look at um, other people's work or they don't self-educate, you know, like it, it's one of those things I think that you've just got to make the choice to tell yourself to do it. Totally. And I do a lot of, you know, there's, there's plenty of stuff that I don't listen to also just because I can understand that as a creative person, you don't want to unwittingly, you know, be over influenced by someone else's work or anything like that. And certainly not trying to like rip off anyone else's material. It's just that we're all people with ideas and creative solutions to the the confusing nature of being a self being an individual human being on on earth you know and so there's a certain like fundamental similarity between all people so you can see even you know to listen to beethoven and find the humanness in there and see where wow this is a, a person who made this decision who said i want to create something that 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 rips my guts out here's how i've decided to do it and it's not it's not saying to to you like do it like that person did it but just say it's it's even just the basic inspiration of saying if this is possible a human being can do something magnificent i'm also a human being why can't i and that opens up the door but then doing things like going for a run, taking a shower, like the best line or the line that that we've been searching for for a song almost always comes when I get up and go pee. <laughs> like it's like I think of it while I'm peeing and that's that's the kind of alpha state, you know, shower or right before bed. That's why it's important to keep some sort of recording device near you. Mm. All the time driving is a huge one for me. I wrote a, a one another one of my singles, Beautiful Pain, I started in a driving in a car because of the thing we were talking about earlier, because it's actually it actually flows better when it's when it's involuntary. When you are the more hands-off you are, the more it just flows out of you. And when your brain is occupied with something else, like running or 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 whatever it might be, that allows the the creative magic to just do it you know it's like the little elves in the shoemaker kind of thing tell me about it i've got a journal that i always keep with me and then on my bedside table i've got another journal so i've always got somewhere in my house close proximity to something i can write down like i've got to i've got to have something because with me it'll either be in the shower it'll either be you know as men have a sit, we call it, 
yeah. either be, <laughs> you know, out for a run. And when I'm out for a run, I got my phone. So I just stop and then just like, oh, that's good. Write it in notes, get back and then actually write it down. I think there's something important about when you actually turn something instead of just texting it, you actually write it. I think it's, there is something absolutely that happens there. Yeah, for sure. Logically, I think it, yeah. it like connects you. It's yeah. so powerful, and that's what I've noticed. Um, so, dude, like I've I've enjoyed this part. Like this is important. So, what I want to ask you now is moving forward a little bit. Do you have a project that you've worked on that you found to be the most easy in terms of creativity? Hmm. I like for me, part of part of creativity is the feeling of of easiness. You know what I mean? It's it's a beautiful it's like the because it's so uneasy feeling to not feel creative. You know what I mean? So I really do when I am feeling creative, it really is the loosening of all of the the chains uh around me mentally. So not exactly, but certainly there are collaborators who I've worked with in the past where it just flows and everything is just beautiful and fluid and perfect. Um, I have an amazing collaborator that I work with primarily now, a guy named Noah Needleman. He is the musical director for Brett Young, who's the, the artist who I play lead guitar with right now. And we just scored a whole movie together. It was both of our first full-length feature scoring gig. And it was magnificent. Every bit of the process was just an absolute joy and absolute pleasure. Worked really closely with the filmmaker too, um, who is, <clears throat> has become a dear, dear friend of mine. And I had been talking to him about the project for about four years before we even started. I had no idea I would be living in Nashville and playing guitar with Brett and be working with Noah. And, uh, and exactly because I, let go and let my my life story tell itself to me i ended up in this perfect situation where all the pieces fell into place and the timing worked and and now the movie is is done it's in the can um we don't have a specific release date as of now but i'm sure it'll be coming out pretty soon it stars diane keaton and jeremy irons so it's gonna come out it's not gonna get shelved uh, (laughs) love weddings and other disasters i'm looking at it right now Dennis Dugan. Mm-hmm. One He's of the iconic, best. man. Iconic, dude. Iconic. Oh, how did you manage that? Like, how did that project actually come to be? Well, so Michelle Silverman, who's an incredible human being and music supervisor, who uh, placed my stuff in Sons of Anarchy and a lot of the other shows that it's been placed on, it's been a huge champion of mine for my whole career, uh, which kind of started in film and television placement. So it's it's been, I've been doing that since the very beginning. And she has been uh, Dennis's go-to music supervisor for many years. And he wanted to do a movie where there was heavily based on music and it was narrated, you know, loosely narrated third person omniscient through songs. And, uh, and she recommended me. And the thing that's interesting is my dad, Jimmy Simons is a producer. He produced Malcolm in the middle and a lot of other amazing television shows. And he, he was worked on Dennis's first feature problem child. And so, and Dennis didn't realize that I was Jimmy's kid or anything like that. So we, that connection was just so beautiful because they love each other, you know, and we hung out, we start talking, I play him stuff. We just got, got the vibe going. I told him, look, if you want, I will do all. I will be responsible for all of the music, every note of music in this film. It's, it's really would be a dream come true for me. So save, save yourself the money and the hassle of getting, of, of getting a separate composer. Let's make it all one continuous through, through line thing, you know? And, and we did, that's how we did it. So, you know, and Dennis worked really closely with me and Noah, uh, we co-wrote, you know, all the stuff together. And when we were there scoring, he was there giving notes and ideas for most of it. And it was absolutely wonderful. Just so much fun. It's so fulfilling. I mean, so fulfilling. You'll have to let me know when the movie actually comes out. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. Like, do you, do you have a release date in mind or? 
We don't. It just sold. There was just a, an article in Variety uh, because the, the movie got sold to a, to a production company, distribution company. So that's fabulous. That's yeah. wonderful. Well, I mean, the wheels are in motion. Of course, the whole shutdown and, and pandemic, you know, changed the timeline. But that's that's again, that's the nature of anybody who thought they could predict the future. What about this, <laughs> right? Anybody who is sitting there saying, hypothetically, uh, what if I'm, what if I don't want this job in, in six months? And you go, well, how about what if the job doesn't exist anymore? How about what yeah. if the whole, the whole industry doesn't exist anymore? How about that? You know, what are you going to do then? Yeah. Like, you can be ready to roll with, with the punches because that's, that's how they go. It's pretty miraculous that anything stays even remotely similar enough to seem continuous or the same. The truth is things only change. That's all that ever happens. It's just that some things are more probable to change into something that's similar to what it was before, but that doesn't mean it's not changing. <laughs> you just happen to drop something super powerful in that last bit. <laughs> well done. I'd like um, to sleep in there. <laughs> yeah, got some good job. <laughs> <laughs> just like mind blown right there. Like, um, dude, I can't wait to actually watch the film so I can I can hear the music. For those people that don't actually know or I've heard your music, it's everywhere. They can yep. they can go on YouTube and it's a jam, man. Like it's it's classical in a way. It's like um it gets in the in the feels, like it like I was saying to you earlier, like it, it gets into the emotion and you just feel a certain way, like mellow. Um yeah. and I enjoy that, man. Like, it's cool. Like, you sit there and, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to hearing this because, you know, one of the things that I've done always musically is create in a variety of different genres. I've always worked on instrumental stuff along with my lyrical songs and things like that. And it's great doing more composition work for film and television, getting a chance to really have an avenue for that. I mostly just did it for fun. Like I have a library hours and hours of instrumental music, um, everything from orchestral to, you know, electronic to just weird. And, uh, and it's great because now those, all those little pieces of music have their own life opportunities themselves now, you know? So it's all coming like full circle, man. Like it's, yeah, I grew up on set. I grew up in the movies. It's definitely been a lifelong dream for me to to work in be, be a part of the all of the music for for a piece of of film or a television series. That I would love to do. Um, to do all the music for a series and have it, the music be part of it. You know, I'm sure it'll happen one day, man. Like you're on the right trajectory to get yeah. there. Um, Couple more questions for you, man, if you don't mind. So this is this this may be a hard question to answer, but we'll see how you go. If you could ask a question to anyone alive or dead, who would it be? Why? And what would you ask them? Oh god, that is a tough question. If I could ask a question of anybody, I want to think about that a little bit. You know, I I so often um think about Jimi Hendrix because I was such a lifelong fan of Jimi Hendrix starting from when I was a little kid. And he was the the central influence for me in my guitar playing. I've always been a huge Beatles guy. And of course, love George Harrison's guitar playing and, and John and Paul too, because those guys played a lot of those guitars on those records also. And they're all absolutely brilliant. But there's something about Jimi Hendrix and his, the, the way that the guitar just functions as an extension of him as a person it's a completely organic thing like it like they were crafted at the same time together you know and and i don't know that i'd want to ask him anything specific but just to be able to hang out i mean the guy died at 27 i'm 42 now you know like that's I've I've lived a much longer life than he ever lived. I just recently with Noah and uh, our drummer for Brett's band, Billy Hahn, who's amazing. We did a cover of All Along the Watchtower, the Jimi Hendrix version of it. And apparently there, there really aren't, I mean, there's a million covers of that song, but more of them are 
closer to the Dylan version because the Hendrix version is so guitar heavy and technical. And it's like, you have a choice. What are you going to do? You can play it note for note. You're going to try and do your own interpretation. I mean, what are you going to do? We did both kind of like I have played it mostly note for note. I saw why it's why it, most people haven't done it because it is such an undertaking and it was amazing. It almost felt like I was having an interaction with Jimi Hendrix himself because as I was listening more closely than I ever have, even after 30 years or more of listening to his music, um, figuring out and saying, oh, this is like understanding where he was in that moment and why he made that decision right there and why it makes perfect sense and felt a kinship and an understanding there that was so cool. And truly that's something that uh, is a miracle of recorded music because the guy is not around anymore and I can't ask him those questions, but I can in a way I can go to his music and I can look at it as closely as I possibly can. And I can find things between the lines and the things that aren't just right on the surface. You know, um, so I don't know what I would ask specifically to him uh, or to anyone really, but just to be in their in their presence. I got a chance to hang with Joni Mitchell years ago, and she's one of my biggest influences, and I'm a humongous fan of hers. And I was at like a crazy celebrity studded event in my twenties, and everyone was just fawning over Joni. Like it was like, I was part of a conversation with Harvey Keitel, Robert Nero and Quincy Jones all saying, is that Quincy Joe? I mean, is that uh, Joni Mitchell over there? Oh my God. Like everyone was nervous to, to meet her, you know? And she said to me something that I will never forget. I mean, we hung out, but she, she definitely gave me a piece of advice that was, that, that has stuck with me forever. She said, do you want to be a, an artist or a star? And I was like, both can't I be both you know and I thought aren't you both like I thought you were an artist and a star and she's like no can't be both it's just one or the other and I kind of was like well I mean I guess if it's down to that I would want to be an artist but I remember in the moment I wasn't sure I wanted to be both you know I, I, I thought why can't you just be both and decades later I understood exactly what she meant you know she meant basically if you're willing, you have to make sacrifices either way. So you can't really have both because when you choose one path, you're sacrificing certain things that make it impossible to fully be the other thing as well. So you can choose either one. You can choose whatever you want. It will or it won't happen. But she was absolutely right. You know what I mean? When you want to be an artist, if you take the full star path, you're going to encounter obstacles that will, that will, cause you to, to will require you to compromise yourself as an artist, you know, and, and vice versa. If you want to just be an artist, it'll, there'll be moments where you'll be called to be compromised by the desire to be a star, you know? So I just, that'll never leave me. I remember it forever. I love her. That, that brought back so many memories for me. And uh, someone once said to me, he said it three times to me, he's like, you're going to be successful one day. Mm. And I was, it was 2016. Um, I was, I can't remember how old I was back then, but I'm only 23 at the moment. So you're 20, I think, 19, 20. But um, I just remember like three profound times he said, you're going to be successful one day. And I had no idea what he really meant by that. I didn't know what he saw back then. And now looking back, I see exactly what he meant. 100%. Yeah. It wasn't about the fame, wasn't about, you know, getting a lot of money because I don't have a lot of money. It wasn't about the recognition. It was about the hard work. It was about the dedication that I put in. It was about the persistence. Yeah. It's about what everybody doesn't see. Mm -hmm. And that's what I realized. I'm like, that is success because Absolutely. now I'm, now I'm happy. Now I'm joyful because it's not about other people. I'm about helping other people, but it's not about what they think of me. Exactly. Yes. It's not about the external validation. Validation is something that we 
find nothing but dead ends when we try to search for it externally, because the truth is validation does not come from outside of you. Uh, it only comes from inside. If you are feeling validated, it's because it's triggering that within you. And it's a very convincing illusion, just like all of them, you know, otherwise, if these illusions weren't so so fully immersive, we wouldn't be able to live this life that we live. You know what I mean? This whole story of, of, of self. So it makes perfect sense. But when you're aware of the way the whole thing works, then certainly you're ahead of the game, you know? Definitely, man. My second last question for you is you've been able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. We won't ask how they got it. We'll just call it magic. And they've shown it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? I honestly, my first reaction is I just hope <laughs> it's not me just talking and talking and talking because I have a tendency to do that sometimes, you know, but certainly in these situations, I'm, I'm, I'm searching, I'm riffing, I'm finding, finding things. But um, what do I want it to say? And what do I want to say to myself that, that I, feel um at peace and i you know one of my goals one of my kind of broad goals is just increase joy and peace and love decrease pain and fear uh you know and and so if i've been able to accomplish that and continue on that path you know and i should say uh so as not to be irresponsible mainly the reason that i got here was because of of a lot of struggle that I had with, with dealing with those things, feeling like uh, unsuccessful by comparison to other people. I mean, I my within my own family, I'm related to a number of people who are on paper a hell of a lot more successful than I am. But I think a lot of them feel like I might be more successful than them because a lot of them have have uh, made sacrifices that they didn't realize they were making because they wanted to be successful in an externally uh, defined way, you know, but but uh you know i just i just want to be able to be at peace at the end of it all we're really all just left with ourselves you don't have you're not all of the accomplishments you're not all of the material things that you've collected you're not even necessarily the ideas or the things that you've done it's just you without all of that and without the heaviness of all of that. And um, I don't know, I think there's something so beautiful about it and Zen about that to, to, to be able to just look back at your life and feel, feel good. Feel like perhaps if you're at the end of, of your life to look back at your life and feel comfortable with the idea of letting go of it. Um, but also a little bit proud of, of, of it and the, the choices that you've made, because really we, we are responsible for ourselves, you know? Mm. So definitely want to, would want to look back and not have a lot of angry people who feel heartbroken or pissed off because I did something stupid, you know? I won't even bother with the last question, man, because I feel like that is a great way to sort of end the conversation on a powerful note and get some thinking. So Keaton Simons, man, thank you so much for your time today, your story. Really heartfelt, man. Really appreciate you and everything that you're putting out there in the world. Where can people find you? Um, you can find me all over the world wide web. Uh, my Instagram is probably where I spend most of the time. It's at Keaton Simons, K-E-A-T-O-N-S-I-M-O-N-S. And uh, my Facebook music is Keaton Simons Music. All everything. If you just search search Keaton Simons in Spotify or Google or Insta, uh, what's it called, iTunes or any of that kind of stuff, I will come up. And so we'll probably a couple of other people who aren't me. <laughs> I'll make sure all that's in the show notes below, man. But thank you so much for coming on the Storybox podcast. Dude, I really had a blast. Thank you so much uh, for creating such a beautiful forum to talk about real stuff and and spread information that's important. On a day that I almost lost my soul I was standing at a crossroads But I didn't fold We've been up, we've been down But you pushed 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 